Hello and welcome to the firm Clark Jefferson Co. podcast. Uh, we're very lucky today we're going to be speaking about inward investment into Ireland, which is an extremely hot topic at the moment. Uh, we're very lucky to be joined by Anne-Marie Tierney-LaRue, a regional manager of the IDA for the Southeastern Region. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Victor. And John Fitzgerald, head of taxation services, McInerney Saunders Accountants. Hi, John. Morning, Victor. So let's get straight into it. Anne-Marie, um, first question I want to ask is, what exactly is the IDA? What do you guys do? So the IDA, uh, IDA Ireland, in fact, uh, Victor, to give it its full name, is the Investment Development Agency of the Irish Government. Uh, We've been around for 60 years and for the last 60 years we have been encouraging overseas companies, multinationals, to set up operations in Ireland. What we do is we provide a a cradle-to-grave solution for companies when they come into Ireland and get set up. And I use that I use that term lightly because clearly when companies come in, we expect them to stay, anticipate that they will establish operations in Ireland. And we work with them post-setup to get them to continue to invest uh, in the country over a number of years. Uh, so are you guys a marketing campaign for the Irish government or I presume there's more depth to it than that? I mean, Yeah, there's clearly much more depth to it than that. We obviously have a global branding campaign. Right now, you might be familiar with it. It's Ireland, right time, right place. So at any time in the external marketing place, we're positioning Ireland as a location for uh, international investment. So that's just one aspect of the the shop floor, so to speak, what people might see. But actually behind all of that, we have solutions across all of our industry sectors for companies that might be looking to set up in Ireland and companies that engage with IDA meet with first of all a member of our overseas teams in any of our overseas offices across yeah, the so, globe. Well this is this is important so I'm a foreign company be it England, France, Germany, America, wherever and I decide Ireland might be a good place so I meet with you I meet with with somebody involved in the IDA is that right? Sure yes yeah. so just say you're John from Texas and not okay. Victor from Carlo so you would meet with a colleague of mine in our office in Texas which happens to be Uh, located with other agents of state, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Enterprise Ireland. You'd meet with us there. You're usually CEO or CFO or CTO level individual. Uh, We would meet with you. You would outline your business plan, your potential ideas for maybe Ireland, maybe another location within Europe. Could could I be a one-off John from Texas who's an entrepreneur do I have to be a CFO? Do I have to be involved in a major company? Yeah, well, you, we usually deal with companies that are of significant scale. Okay. Uh, so starting from companies that are looking at employing more than 25, 30 people in the first instance. Uh, we do have kind of a fast landing service for smaller emerging companies as well. Companies that might be of the, 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 the likes of companies that go into uh, canal docks, etc. Yeah. Um, but traditionally we deal with companies who are have mature business models that are looking for a landing spot into Europe and naturally they see Ireland as a first uh, as a first hub for that uh, ex- expansion. So following an engagement with a colleague of mine overseas, the gentleman would then uh, provide a business plan or lady provide a business plan with regard to the operation. That would then get fed to an operations team member of IDA Ireland in Dublin who would then appraise that with their overseas colleagues who then would start looking at well where in the country would this project best fit? Is it a manufacturing project? Is so, it a, so you actually provide that level of service to somebody. Absolutely. You, you give them a geographical insight as to where it might absolutely, be. Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, in IT Ireland, we have a strategy that's highly focused around regions and driving investment to region locations because clearly Dublin and Cork at the moment are locations that have seen significant investment over recent years. So 
ID Ireland has a remit uh, under the government to try to provide balanced regional development. So we recommend locations to companies, not just for that reason, but locations where they feel that it will work best, where their project will work best, where they will be able to find people, where they'll be able to find a property solution, and where operationally they will be able to find the efficiencies for their company in that particular place. It's not in our interest to suggest a location where we feel a company will have challenges. You know, our brand is extremely important to us. We've been uh, around and doing what we do for a very long time. So we like to feel that if we invest in a company to set up in a particular location that that operation will be a success okay. but of course it's not it's not just the assistance the IDA provides John there's a very strong taxation uh, attraction to Ireland as well for foreign direct investment isn't that right that's right Victor uh, I suppose the headline trading corporation tax rate is 12 and a half percent and um, that's very attractive when you look at the US has much higher corporate tax rates France has much higher corporate tax rates but I think, sorry, not to cut you off, but let's just put that in context. Mm. I mean, Germany's, for example, a major European hub is 30%. Yeah. It's over twice what ours is. Take the US, is nearly three times ours. Correct. Uh, the US, I was talking to a chap yesterday, um, and he says they're paying about 40% corporate taxes where they're based. Okay. Um, so, obviously, setting up a, a, a European headquarters for him at 12.5% is, is very important. Um, it's not just tax driven because obviously they need the after tax money to be reinvesting in their product and they need the capital to be able to develop their product and, and, and further enhance it. Yeah. So using 40%, when you've got 40% corporate tax rates, you've only got 60% left over. Um, and that's not a huge amount left over yeah. for, for You don't need to be investment. an accountant no. to understand that that's no. so short change. When you've got 12.5% corporate tax rates, that is very attractive. Um, and like uh, I was going to say that we also have a very good international reputation. We have over 70 double tax agreements with countries worldwide. Um, we, th- it's, it's a very easy uh, regime here in Ireland as well in terms of managing the, ca- uh, the, the taxes and uh, the tax returns and the compliance. Um, uh, there's a very good holding company regime here for if, if somebody wants to set up a holding company regime of an international uh, trading entity or trading organisation where they can uh, avail of onshore pooling of tax credits to minimise taxation here in Ireland. So they can repatriate profits to the holding company here in Ireland and minimise tax. Yeah, because we've, an effectively, we've effectively a zero rate uh, tax on dividends, don't we? Yeah. Um, uh, I suppose without getting too technical, um, it's always the, the, the highest rate of tax is payable. So if a foreign company has a higher or paying a higher rate of tax in a foreign jurisdiction and it's repatriated to a holding company in Ireland at 12.5%, there's effectively zero tax on that okay. uh, repatriation of profits. So Okay, so, but I mean, it's not just, I mean, y- yes, there are various different taxes and, you know, we, there's no question of that. And I'm sure Anne-Marie and your colleagues in Texas, for example, would be able to list all of these. But in particular, if I was in Texas, the IDA would be able to assist me in telling me whether there's a double taxation agreement, for example, between Ireland and the States. Yeah, certainly, Victor, we'd be able to provide uh, an introductory overview to the tax environment uh, within Ireland. Clearly, we work with all of the professional service advisors in Ireland, many of whom who have offices overseas. So in the case of John in Texas, we'd introduce him to any of the larger firms who have desks in the bigger cities in the US. And they would provide an overview uh, to John from Texas on the, the tax and the operating environment uh, for Ireland and be able to advise on uh, setup in the first instance. But I suppose to that end, 
when we're positioning Ireland as an investment location, tax is just one of a bundle of attractiveness factors that we would leverage to encourage companies to look at Ireland. And it's certainly not by any means the only uh, factor for companies when they're looking at Ireland as now the only Euro member English-speaking country uh, within Europe. There are many other reasons, I suppose, as well to support well, let's, that. Let's look at them, because <clears throat> at the risk of putting uh, listeners to sleep with regard to tax, and Jan, I've had plenty of accountants on this podcast and nobody's ever slept yet, but um, it, it, as you say, we're the only native English-speaking country left in the Eurozone since, uh, since Brexit. We're the fastest-growing economy in Europe. In 2015, our unemployment was less than 10% and we cater for multiple sectors. In fact, I'm pretty sure uh, when I was doing my small bit of research for this podcast, I read a statistic to say that uh, 40% of the population in this country are under 29 years of age. So I'm assuming when it comes to tech, when it comes to the higher end uh, jobs and employment, etc., we're a veritable feeding ground for foreign countries. Is that fair to say, Amber? Well, I suppose certainly with our population statistics and certainly the growth bracket of people between the ages of 25, and we would have probably stretched as far as 34, companies internationally see that as immensely attractive because we are a young, dynamic population. And when you look at other countries in Europe, there tends to be signals in, more, in relation to uh, more aging populations. So certainly that is attractive. And for the likes of companies like Google, Facebook, PayPal, etc., who want to employ young, dynamic people that will stay within their company and contribute. That's the kind of age bracket and the segment that they're trying to attract to Ireland. And they're certainly here and they can tap into that uh, in droves. So that's certainly another attractiveness factor. But it's clearly, John, it's clearly not just a demographic. I mean, obviously, it's a highly educated young population as well. Because when I looked at the statistics here, I see that. Pharma and chemicals are one of the highest mm. investors in Ireland at 28%, and then computer services, and then business services, and then financial, with food and beverage being kind of you know the, the lowest mainstream at 5%. Does that indicate that education is a highly important thing for foreign investment? Um, <clears throat> I would think it is. Uh, like we, we always say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. So in terms of investment, you, don't need, you, you wouldn't be investing purely and simply for tax reasons. You would be investing for... Uh, it's the right location. It's a good access to market. It has a well-educated workforce. Just repeating some of the some of the items that Amory mentioned there. Pharma, absolutely. We have a, a top-notch um, uh, investment, inward investment for uh, pharma. We're ripe for it here. An absolute melting pot. Do you know what always amazes me when I read these statistics? Um, John and myself do a lot of uh, food and beverage. Uh, McInerney Saunders, mm. Clark Jeffers, we do a lot of food and beverage law. And I see food and beverage at 5%, which is one of the lowest mainstream ones. Amory, I'd, I'd be interested in your take as to why you think, you know, in a country famed for its food and beverage, why we're not attracting more in that sector? Is there any particular reason? Is it down to the, is it down to the population? Is it down to the average age? What is it? I suppose when we look at the food and beverage sector in particular, and firstly, Enterprise Ireland actually looks after the food FDI element uh, for Ireland, but we have substantial names like the Danones, Nestle's, etc., that have operations in Ireland, and extremely strong indigenous brands, the likes of Kerry, uh, Glanbia, who are actually all um, international corporations at this point in time. I certainly think there's probably more to do in relation to attracting more food companies to Ireland, given the strengths of our agri-base and our food base, but certainly those existing players are definitely punching above their weight. And I mean, there's some amazing statistics in relation to 
the numbers of babies that are being fed around the world from the Glanbia plant in Kilkenny, uh, infant milk formula. You know, we have some really significant stats that uh, that demonstrate how important the sector is. We certainly see it as a growth area, certainly for future okay. investment. And John, you you mentioned something quite uh, interesting there. You mentioned location. I mean, historically, if we if we go back to the sixties, seventies, eighties. Ireland was very peripheral in a geographical sense. We were out mm-hmm. there, next stop, New York, or yeah. Newfoundland, or whatever way you choose to travel. Nowadays, I suppose, location, we've direct access to European markets, but it's more about, it, it, it appears anyway, more about information than location at this stage. Well, the, the world has become a lot smaller since 30, 40 years ago. And, um, you know, there's, there's access to information on the internet, there's telephones, there's iPads, there's mobile devices that where, where you can get access to information. Um, it, it's not just about physical product anymore, it's about service um, as well. So you don't need to have a physical location or any, any type of property like that to accommodate providing services. Um, it, different to the way that, let's say, Glan Bia might need a big plant to manufacture food um, you don't need that for services and certainly I think the internet has made the, the world even smaller in that regard. Well I mean that's absolutely true only yesterday we had a conference call with clients based in San Francisco who are doing something mm. here and they mm. may as well, well have been next door mm. but I think the differential here is that while a company coming into Ireland doesn't need it's a smaller world now and it can access markets easier it does need the assistance of the IDA in terms of its actual geography within Ireland isn't that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, notwithstanding that the, the world has shrunk, uh, companies still need to have a home and they need to employ people uh, who are aggregating all of this data. Can I, can I actually stop you right there? Just because I don't want to forget this point. I think it's very important. Myself and John were having a general chit-chat before we started here today. And he has mentioned something very interesting to me, which is that he had um, he was setting up a, a foreign country, company in Ireland and he was waiting on uh, revenue to issue their paperwork. Nothing was coming back. And when he did some digging on it, it transpired that they weren't prepared to issue the paperwork on the basis that the company didn't have a physical base within the country. So this physical base is actually just more important than where a company is going to operate from. It apparently needs to have a physical base so your information technology companies for example they can't just run routers through ireland and become an irish company isn't that correct look clearly and john is better able to to talk about uh, the the operating environment for what constitutes substance uh, than i am but clearly any company that is in ireland has to have a physical presence here and has to generate sufficient income uh, in order to have and justify a trading existence so to that end yeah it's absolutely correct victor and it would appear as well, quite obviously, as Dublin is the capital city, it has the best in it has the best infrastructure. It has probably the greatest central population, etc. But there are other parts of Ireland, such as Cork, Limerick, can't forget Carlo, Kilkenny, Waterford, which are equally strong for various sector types. So, are there particular sectors that might choose to locate outside of Dublin? Clearly, the Googles and the Internet's and the Facebooks and the Ebays, etc., would prefer a densely populated area. But what about other sectors? Yeah, surely, Victor, and I suppose in IDA we have a clearly defined model for looking at what industry sectors might work. 
better in, in certain locations. So we've seen, for example, the rise of the medical devices cluster in Galway, uh, the pharmaceutical sector in Cork in particular. Right now, in our current strategy, Winning, which is a strategy for the next five years, we're looking at driving growth in different sectors to different locations. So if we were to look at this region in particular, where we are, the southeast region, um, it's currently home to about 71 multinationals, employing about 12,500 people. At least 20% of those are employed in the life sciences sector. IDA is actually looking at trying to diversify that uh, base over the next five years to bring in more services investment to complement the already very strong manufacturing Just base. Give me an example of a service investment. So a services investment. So for example, last week, John and Waterford, we had a company called SE2. Um, it's a major financial services technology company out of uh, the US. They decided to set up an operation centre in Waterford and recently had an expansion for 65 people. So they're people that are working in Waterford, back to your, your point that people don't necessarily know where the work is being done, and they're working on international accounts and clients all over the world. I'll give you another example. Here we are in County Carlow. Uh, just up the road, we have a company called Unum, a financial services company uh, that are providing uh, services for the life insurance market, again, servicing a global base from Carlow. And I think we need to see more of the services type investments come to regional locations why? Because we know that, first of all, not everybody wants to be Facebook and to be in Dublin. And secondly, in the regional locations, like in the southeast region, we have great property solutions that are cheaper. Uh, commercial property is cheaper. We also have private property solutions, be it for rent or purchase, that are significantly cheaper than Dublin, which from here is literally just an hour up the mm. road. So within ID Ireland, the demographic that we're trying to attract is the skill base of people that are going to work in these new multinationals. So if you want to buy a three-bedroom house in Dublin on the outskirts and pay 550000 for it, uh, you could, for example, get a the similar house in a location like Carlow or Waterford for a third of that price with a garden. And you know when we're presenting to overseas companies, they're always looking at how much is it going to cost them to set up and then who's going to work in the company and what are the attractiveness factors that would demonstrate why they should go to a location outside of Dublin. Uh, clearly, IDA Ireland and as a state agency, we also incentivize companies to look and to follow a regional approach. And we operate under the regional state aid guidelines under the European Union and regions outside of Dublin and Cork are incentivised for companies that are seeking to look outside. And is that is that a fiscal incentive? Is it a taxation incentive? What? How does that incentive work? So I suppose in the first instance, clearly any company that comes in gets the benefit of the taxation incentives. Uh, in terms of grant aid and support, yes, it is a fiscal incentive. And that is provided for companies that come in that employ a certain number of people over a certain period of time. It's linked with the types of activities of the company and the level of the skill base. Uh, clearly, when we discuss with companies any level of fiscal incentives to come into Ireland, again, with the tax, it's not the reason why a company would come to a particular location. But for companies that are looking to set up in a regional location, certainly locations like the Southeast region outside of Dublin, if there is a small incentive effect that would encourage them to look at a particular location you know we're pretty sure that that's taken into the broad overall understanding of companies when they're looking at a location okay what's i suppose on the other side of that we would deal with a lot smaller end companies that might have one two employees starting off or maybe might transfer in one skilled employee who knows their systems and processes from the us or canada or wherever and uh, they would come in and obviously it, it makes sense for them to be in a central location like dublin where 
there are many, many similar type of operations there. Um, smaller uh, service companies with one, two, three employees and uh, they can share their experiences and, and knowledge of setting up in Ireland. But John, and I, I particularly aim this question at you as a taxation accountant, there are great incentives. The taxation system being a corporate taxation system is clearly is fantastic. It contains a number of drivers which are very attractive. But if I was to be slightly critical of the, the government's, I suppose, incentive scheme, personal tax is fairly crippling, isn't it? Um, it has increased since the uh, since the recessionary times or since the, 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 the emergency measures were brought in. Uh, it's gone up to 52%. And uh, there are some people out there that are paying upwards of 55 and 60% of the marginal rate. So that is fairly high. Um, would that, would, that wouldn't exactly attract senior management in US <coughs> companies, for example, to relocate here, would it? No. There are other special incentives there for... Uh, companies take in senior management into into Ireland. So there are offsetting factors for that particular negative. Correct, yes. And it's interesting, we were talking earlier about the service industry and wanting to grow the service industry because we tend to be quite top-heavy at the moment in relation to pharma and technology. Mm. But post-Brexit, uh, John, a, a large number of law firms, and I say that because I'm obviously in that area, a large number of law firms are on the hunt for a large commercial property within Ireland. Do you think we'll see a growth in the service area because of uh, England's recent vote? Um, I would hope to see a growth. Uh, we're always looking to see growth in, in any area in Ireland mm. uh, to increase employment and so on. But I, I do think there is going to be a shift uh, as, a, as a direct result of Brexit. Um, speaking with a lot of people in our network in the UK, they, there is an awful lot of uncertainty around Brexit due to um, the trade agreements to be reached, the tariffs that might be imposed, the border patrols, visas, and so on. Um, but one of the certainties is... Are we not stepping is, into a little bit of scare tactics now with border controls? Yes, and, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's an uncertainty there, but the one certainty that is out there is that England are going to leave the UK, or mm. EU. Well, you know, the one piece of advice we always give clients when making any serious decision is you can only make a decision based on facts, any speculation after that is is an uncertainty by its very nature. So you're quite correct that mm-hmm. that is happening and it needs to be accounted for. Yes. And in terms of service, Amory, and the, and the ability that Ireland has to offer service, I mean, we have, as you said, and you're you're based in the southeastern region, we have a wealth of commercial property available for a reasonable price here at the moment, don't we? We have a we have a significant. Uh, base of properties that are available at the moment and I guess the importance for companies that are looking at the region is that those uh, properties are available uh, for companies that might be looking at the region so at any particular point in time I'm keenly aware and kept abreast of any changes within the commercial property space because when one property moves that means it's one less for me for IDA Ireland to be able to market for any company that might be looking at the region. Okay and I mean infrastructure has clearly become a, a jewel in the crown of Ireland in the last number of years. If it's one thing Ireland has really done well, it's infrastructure. I mean, you can be in Galway in two hours from Dublin now. Carlow was uh, historically a, a country town, a peripheral town to Dublin. I can be the airport at four, in 45 minutes, travelling one mile an hour under the speed limit all the way. Um, so from an infrastructure point of view, particularly Waterford, I mean, Water, Waterford was a tricky geographic location historically, but now with the opening of the new motorway, it's... 
as Certainly, yeah, Victor. I mean, there was a point in time where ID had to bring companies by helicopter to Waterford in order to look at land banks. Thankfully, due to infrastructure investments, as you pointed out, um, the county of Waterford in the southeast region, yes, is very accessible. And I believe that thanks to the motorway, we've had really significant investments in the southeast region and in particular to Waterford uh, in the last in the last year. Uh, you might be familiar with the US um, um, Miami headquartered company Opco, mm. who just purchased an IDA facility actually in Waterford and the, for them access to the motorway is key. Equally West Pharma, a US generics pharmaceutical company have set up just beside Genzyme at the entrance to New Bridge in Waterford. So for companies coming into a regional location, the fact that you can get out of Dublin and down to these locations by motorway is a key influencing factor for foreign companies looking at setup. An area like Waterford has a port, it has an airport, it has an IT college producing highly skilled people in various areas. So it's probably fair to say that all it was lacking was the motorway, which it has now. Look, I think all of these factors neatly conspire to create an attractive environment for companies when they are setting up and looking at the skills base, the existing uh, and future educational skills are key as well for companies that might be looking at a particular region. And when IDA Ireland, back to John in Texas, we hope he's out there somewhere and meets with IDA, we will present a kind of a myriad of factors that cover technology, track record, tax, talent, skills, property. We bring all of those factors together and present them to the company, to the CEO, to the CFO, to look at Ireland as an investment location. And we present a balanced and open view to companies so that we're not presenting a, an information that's a, inaccurate or over-egged. And what we do in turn then is we invite the companies to come into Ireland and to spend two or three days with IDA on the ground. So on a day-to-day basis, uh, Victor, my job is to be with the companies and to meet if John arrived in Dublin Airport from Texas to bring him straight down on the motorway to Carlo to introduce him to the existing companies that are here. So for example, if he was in the pharma sector to MSD, the biologics facility out the road, to introduce him to stakeholders like yourself in the operating environment within Carlo, to go drive down to the Institute of Technology, to walk past the Dargan Centre and to see all of the investment infrastructure and in education that has been happening within the region. So once uh, our fictional entrepreneur John arrives here and he's taken on this fantastic tour and he's briefed on everything, he sits down with someone like John from a taxation point of view and your information is not balanced. It's aimed directly at him personally and if it is unfair to one region, that's not your problem. It's, it's giving him the best piece of advice, like in our position as lawyers. How do you find on a whole, uh, John, your clients? Do they want to be in Dublin? Are they closed to other areas within Ireland? <clears throat> um, it, it all depends. A lot of them are doing a lot of, of research and it takes a long time for them to come over here and actually set up a base. Um, because like I said, we would deal with an awful lot of clients from, from North America and from the UK where they're fu- it's all self-funded. They don't get any um, support or anything like that. So it's all self-funded. And they have to come over here, they have to do the research, they go to the, uh, the the property markets, they see what's out there. And generally they're looking at flying into Dublin for a meeting uh, and they need to be able to get to their offices in a fairly short space of time. So that predominantly is Dublin. Mm. And yeah, I suppose all the best infrastructure in the world doesn't 
detract mm. from the fact. But I mean, we do have a, we do have a, an international airport in Knock. We have an international airport in Shannon. We have a very strong airport in Cork. Unfortunately, Sligo um, seems to have predominantly lost its airport, and the border regions uh, wouldn't be serviced in that regard. But on a whole, the country is quite well serviced, particularly mm. from a country like the UK. Yes, absolutely it is. Yeah, because we've regional flights very regularly, etc. So Dublin probably isn't as necessary as it once was. Uh, probably not, but it's still the preference for people to locate in Dublin. Okay. It's um, uh, it's no longer a case of countries anymore. It's not Ireland versus France or uh, UK versus Germany yeah. in terms of location. It's cities a lot of the time. Cities are competing with other cities, so. Dublin is competing with Cork and Limerick. And if somebody's coming to Ireland to locate for two years on an assignment or on a, as a temporary assignee, they want to be able to have access to theatres, they want to have schools, they want to have fine restaurants and so on. And that's not saying that the other regions of the country don't have them. They're predominantly yeah. already there in Dublin. I think it depends really on the type of the industry sector. So what we're seeing, and it's probably... Uh, back to the, the, the Google base and the Facebooks and the PayPals. There are some companies and some profiles and even smaller companies where they want to be in a Dublin base. And I guess it depends on the type of profile of the company and the type of people that they will be employing. But certainly from what we're seeing across the country, for those that want to get plugged into a local environment, be it arts, theatre, you know, we are seeing in locations like Carlow, Kilkenny in particular, and Waterford, Wexford, um, that there are attractive fa- attractiveness factors that can help influence them if they go past the two or three people uh, size scale to make a decision to actually set up in a location. But um, certainly the, the economies of scale and the connectiveness that you talk about for the initial landing in Dublin is certainly there. And I guess it's our role in IDR to try to influence that if they plan to grow and they remain a foreign-owned company to look, look at locations that they might scale uh, more easily in from a cost point of view on property and getting people to work for them. Well, it, it's it's interesting again, John, you and I act in a lot the food and beverage area. We have a lot of clients who have relocated, for example, to Ireland or have set up in Ireland who've been based in Cork or Dublin, but who can't help but infect the rest of the company with chains, for example. And it would be unfair to mention any particular restaurant, bar mm. or coffee shop. But once they come into the likes of uh, Dublin or Cork or Limerick, they then concentrate on opening various chains in Ballinasloe, Galway, Corn, Carlo, etc. So even if a company were to relocate, were to set up initially in Dublin, in that particular sector, the majority of the country would most likely benefit. Uh, they, they would, I think. I mean, again, it says, Andrew was saying about the, uh, the particular type of company that's coming in. If it's a, a small service company that's dipping its toe in the water into the market, setting up and growing organically, that's fine. A lot of these... Um, food and beverage companies, uh, particularly in the hospitality sector, they would have their plan that they want to have 20 or 30 locations within a period of time. Mm. So while they might land in Dublin initially to open up that first two, three, four stores with those pubs or restaurants, whatever it is, they would then seek to grow outside of Dublin. Well, speaking of growth, John, we don't want to give the impression that Ireland is only for the multinationals like Google and Facebook and Apple. In my experience, there are plenty of foreign direct investment companies in here in the five to 50 man category. Um, what's your opinion on smaller companies and how they can break into the Emerald Isle? Um, quite easily, in fact. Um, 
uh, the, the first thing is pick up the phone and ask the question. Okay, well, <laughs> how, pick up the phones and like to McInerney yes, Saunders, exactly. for example. Okay, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, we would have, in, in, as part of our international network, we would have people at, uh, at location throughout the world as well. And that's how some of our contacts have come in, through our Canadian partners, through our US partners, through UK partners. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they would come over here and have, have a discussion with us, looking to set up a European operation, they have uh, finely tuned their skills in North America and they now want to set up a one or two man operation in, in Ireland, Ireland initially. And Amory, has the IDA got its ability to put its arm around one of these smaller businesses? Is there anything it can do to incubate somebody like this? Certainly, Victor, and we created in the last 18 months an emerging business division. So it's companies that are probably seeking to employ closer to around 10, so not necessarily around the one or two, but the one or two might eventually become bigger so we'd certainly work with the smaller companies through this specifically designed division called the emerging business division it's companies that are post commercialization that are ready to set up and look and trade actively from Ireland so we'd certainly encourage any companies and encourage McInerney Saunders to let us know of any companies that are seeking to come in that we may that may not have crossed the path of IDA just yet but that might want to understand the investment landscape in Ireland and you know we take a long view of companies as well a company that comes in today in two or three years time might want to be at a bigger number and at that point in time we'd be happy to talk to companies to show them the landscape in Ireland and kind of demonstrate what IDA can do. Because it's probably these smaller companies John that are in greater need of a foot on the ground in terms of assisting with employment, employment mm-hmm. contracts. I know that's what we get involved with a lot is drafting employment contracts, advising on rights, etc. Um, but it's probably these smaller companies that's actually more in need of some local guidance than the bigger companies. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Uh, and we would lend that hand. We would be that person at the other end of the phone call to for, for the question, where do we go? Where can we find property? Where can we uh, get legal advice? Where can we... Um, higher staff, where do we get access to graduates, uh, where, where can we find people like us who are doing the exact same thing. Together with the course something which is key which is uh, a native understanding of how business is done in Ireland. Mm. It's not that we are over bureaucratic although I see some surveys uh, would have us down as a bureaucratic type country. Clearly uh, we're not a corrupt type country so that's very well offset we have our planning laws for example facebook know all about our planning laws as do certain starbucks restaurants from this week uh, we won't go into that but predominantly it's not a difficult place to do business ireland is it no it's it's very transparent and open uh, to do business here in ireland it's it's got a set of rules and follow the rules and it, it's pretty okay to incorporate a company it can be incorporated within five working days generally um, seeking tax registration, very straightforward, a single form. Um, setting up in business, taking on a lease. Most of these things are very, very transparent and simple. Well, actually, uh, just on that point, um, and I suppose from a legal point of view, we have a brand new Companies Act in Ireland, the 2014 Act. Uh, for the first time ever, we have a consolidated piece of legislation in relation to all companies. We don't have 16 different acts with various amendments. You read one act and find out that it was wrong, it was updated at a later stage. So even that, for a smaller company, somebody can go online and get a fairly accurate answer to their own query. It's not fair to say. It, it is very fair to say. I mean, we again, a lot of the people who are coming to us have done research prior to actually asking the question. Um, how do we set up in Ireland? They would have uh, gone to the revenue website and found out about setting up a tax registration and what the tax, uh, the, the, the various tax issues associated with corporates are. 
they might have gone onto the IDA website and seen if there to see if there were any incentives for them. Um, they might have gone on to um, various other websites to, to, to see about the CRO website to see about setting up a company. Well, one thing that I find quite interesting, Harry, is that they, there tends to be a lot of new laws made regulating uh, certain type sectors within Ireland, but predominantly regulating them for their own benefit. Like a, a very good example of that, we do a, a lot of online gambling uh, applications for licenses advising in relation to the setups of the structures etc for foreign companies and that has recently been regulated but most of the gambling uh, co- companies will tell you it all it's done is take out the cowboys so it's it's actually made it easier to operate even though it's become that bit more regulated do you ever get concerns from people that Ireland is a very regulated com- country I guess like all countries and certainly countries within in Europe we have to operate within the constraints of the environment both legally and within the EU context. I guess in relation to regulation specifically and you mentioned online gambling or gaming this is a particular area that IDA has taken a stance on a number of years ago which is that we don't support any companies that are coming in to set up activities in this area, notwithstanding that we know that some areas might involve software development. It's just that in the context of the industry and developing Ireland, we look at industry sectors that we think can support the economy and those that we are not willing to to put the state's name to. Uh, So that would be that particular industry sector. But the regulatory environment, I guess, we see uh, to deflect that, that the IMD Competitiveness Yearbook, which has just come out, uh, rate, rates aren't very easy in terms of flexibility, in terms of bureaucracy rating is very low in comparison to some countries. So in fact, companies, when they come into us, they find that notwithstanding the regulated environment, be it for financial services, which is understandable, we do have planning laws that have to be adhered to. So we've certainly never lost a project because of the regulatory environment. But it is something that any company in looking and setting up an international base has to take account of. And a company that believes that uh, one country has a low regulatory environment over another, you know, would be misled in making an investment decision based on that. Well, I think, John, one of the big fears I receive when I speak to FDI, foreign investment companies, is that the cost of labour is very high in Ireland. We've got this minimum wage We've got very stringent unfair dismissals laws, which makes it quite difficult to remove staff who might, for example, become unsuitable for uh, businesses. Is this something that you come across? I I think anybody who's in business is going to come across this. Um, People always want to get paid higher wages um, and they also want more uh, employment rights. So anybody who's in business is going to come across this at some point. Are we trading off here, Anne-Marie, in the sense that we have one of the highest quality educational, educa- educated populations and therefore the extra few bob is worth it? Well, I guess you're going to have to pay for the right people. I mean, the people that are leading any of the multinationals in Ireland, they are being well paid, as are the top management and executive management teams to be able to run these companies within Ireland. But I guess in relation to uh, pay scales and salary scales overall and labour law, again, Ireland scores well internationally on the benchmark statistics. Certainly in terms of labour law, we're seen as more flexible than our European counterparts in terms of how that labour law practice is matched with with the American model. Uh, for example. So we see that as a factor that companies look at and kind of praise positively when they're looking at Ireland. Is is the American model in terms of employment not you're fired, 
security will escort you to the door as opposed to I have to go through two years worth of regulatory investigations before I can fire someone in Ireland. Is that not actually the case? Well, I guess the American model is, is as you described, but in Ireland it's remarkably easier in comparison to some of our competitor locations and we don't like drawing uh, too much attention to our other neighbours in, in Europe. But in other main uh, continental countries in Europe, it is much, much, much more difficult to end a contract of employment. In Ireland, we see that if an in- a situation or an individual is not working out, that there are practices that are, are in place that usually end in resolution. But it's it's something that uh, happens in every country, that there will always be difficult employment cases. But we believe that the labour law is there to allow companies to be flexible, that if somebody is not working out, that they, there is a process in place for people to be allowed to move on. Okay. If I were to ask both of you, and it's, it's, it's a very generalistic question, and bearing in mind that there are multiple drivers here to the success of Ireland, Amory, do you think there's a unique selling point in Ireland? So yes, certainly, Victor, I suppose in Ireland we have the combination of all of the the T's, which we talked about earlier, the technology, the track record, the tax, and when you combine that with other factors like the quality of life, the cost of living, and the operating environment in Ireland for international and multinational companies, rather, it's extremely attractive, and we've over a thousand companies that are here who've picked Ireland as an international base, so we know we've had a positive track record, and I guess we want to continue to attract the best in global brands to Ireland. So I suppose, yeah, in a nutshell, we trade off a track record. We know it works. So we ask other companies who want to join into Europe to come and look at Ireland as well. Unique selling point, John? Um, I suppose from a tax perspective, the 12.5% rate is very attractive for those that are involved in in developing uh, intellectual property or um, a, a patented uh, item or product, they can exploit that through Ireland uh, through what's known as this knowledge development box. It's a brand spanking new piece of legislation last year. Uh, it's OECD, OECD compliant and for the profits derived from this they can be uh, taxed at 6.25%. Mm-hmm. So that is very, very attractive. Well, I have to admit we love that one. Um, we act for a lot of professional sports people who might be based outside of Ireland who are now deciding that for various taxation reasons Ireland is the is the place to be. Um, it's interesting that they, that from our conversation earlier, that they have to have a base here, which I'm sure none of them would mind doing for a six-odd percent taxation point. I have to say as well, uh, recently I had a conversation with a CFO in a very large American uh, multinational company we do a bit of work for, and he said something to me which I thought was very true and something I believe in myself. And he had said that um, having been here for eight years and having had small kids, there's nothing like an upbringing in Ireland for children uh, in terms of you know, uh, from a safety perspective, from an education perspective, from an environment perspective, and for all the opportunities that's open. I'm sure, Anne-Marie, that's something that the IDA would also um, highlight to foreign investment. Yeah, absolutely, Victor. And I think I referenced it earlier, the differential once companies come in is that quality of life, um, never underestimate air and water to people that live in uh, Beijing and other Chinese cities. Mm. Uh, So we certainly do demonstrate that to companies but it's really once they've made the investment decision that they can see uh, what the schooling is like the fact that you don't have very high health insurance premiums to pay in comparison to the US in particular and that schooling uh, is excellent schooling is relatively well provided through the public system 
is something that's also of interest to companies who pay in and individuals in the US who pay enormous bills for, for private uh, education and schooling. So we clearly demonstrate all of that when companies come in and try to make the introductions so that companies can see what the quality of life aspects that Ireland can offer. So when John eventually does arrive from Texas, um, we will bring him around the southeast to show him what excellent quality of life, the beaches, the landscapes, um, the uh, the opportunities that are there to to experience the quality of life on a visit with IDA as well. Sure, but it's not just it's not just the quality of life within Ireland. I mean, thanks to one of your good neighbours up in Swords, there, Mr. Michael O'Leary, access into Europe on weekend breaks, for example, is extremely accessible now. Um, it has to be attractive. Like you said, uh, here in Car- Carlo to Dublin Airport in forty five minutes, um, and uh, from Dublin Airport to Dusseldorf and another wherever. fifty minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's 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 really become a, a huge hub. Nineteen ninety nine. We're, we're not trying to be a Ryanair sales mm. pitch here, but it is uh, that Europe has opened up, mm. um, and it's very easy to do business in Dublin because of that as well. Sure. I had uh, I had people over from Germany there a couple of months ago, and they said it was shorter for them to take a flight from uh, Munich to Dublin than it was to travel internally in Germany wow. to do business. So. Okay, well, so I suppose if I'm an American company, we'll finish up on this. I'm an American company and I listen to this podcast and I think, you know what, Ireland mightn't be a bad place to at least investigate. How do I contact the IDA? Okay, so in the first instance, uh, not just an American company, but a company in Asia or indeed Europe can contact IDA Ireland through... Or Birmingham, yes. IDA Ireland through our website, uh, ideaireland.com or through myself in the first instance, Anne-Marie Tierney at IDA.ie. You'll find my email as well on our website, and then I can navigate um, through IDA to put the links. But in the first instance, have a look at IDAireland.com. Look at your industry sector. Look at some of the video clips, and it'll give you a flavour of what IDA can do to help you set up in Ireland. John McInerney Saunders. Um, visit, firstly, visit our website, uh, www.mcinernysaunders.ie. Uh, by email to myself, uh, jfitzgerald at mcinernysaunders.ie. And um, again, similar to Anne-Marie, go visit the, the various sectors uh, sections on the website uh, to see if it's of interest and then make contact with us through the website. Okay, or alternatively, you can uh, contact the firm with all the contacts. Uh, Clark Jeffers, we are www.cj.ie, nice and easy. You can contact myself, Victor Clark, I'm the managing partner. And all that's left for me to say on this podcast is Anne-Marie, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, as long as I'm in Ireland, as long as I'm doing business with the IDA, it's always lovely to hear all the new things that you're doing and all the efforts that you're making, and they are fantastic efforts, fair play. Thanks, um, Victor. John, we, our firms have done business an awful lot. Uh, I always value the expertise I get from McInerney Saunders. It's always 100% solid. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you down to Carlo this morning. And thank you both for attending. As with all our podcasts, they're designed for general information, specifically this one around the area of foreign direct investment. However, if this is something that you are interested in, we strongly advise that you obtain specific advice either from this firm, Clark Jeffers at www.cj.ie, or either of our guests.